breaking of the bread and of the cup that there is something of grace that's ministered to us and uh, we sense that again tonight as we share together so it's good to be together and as you say we're on this journey of arena mansfield we're believing in this next season that god is going to continue to work and tonight i want you to stay with me because the subject is a subject that maybe all of us would have heard before uh, even if you're not yet a believer or you've not been coming to church very long you would have heard about this word certainly if you've been a christian for some years you will have heard messages on the subject of prayer but hopefully tonight it'll come fresh it'll come alive and it'll take us into the next season of our journey here in arena mansfield because make no mistake we need to keep praying we need to keep calling on god and we need to keep making god at the very center of all that we do you see this is not a club uh, it's not a, a, a just a, a social convention uh, it, it's not just a meeting uh, uh, on a Sunday because we can't think of anything else better to do. This is the living body of Christ meeting in this town. It's not the only meeting because in the town there are a number of expressions of the body of Christ in different churches and different traditions. And as Paul said, even in terms of uh, breaking a bread, people celebrating that in different ways. That's okay. But this is a special place because when we come together, um, we're coming into and under the presence and authority of God. And we know that God is with us every moment of every day, but there is something that happens when we gather. I was talking to somebody this morning at the end of the service and they realized again, it's absolutely true that God does things when we gather that he doesn't do anywhere else. He doesn't do when you're singing in the shower. If I can say respectfully, he doesn't do it even in your devotional. And we'll come to that tonight. That's so important. There's something about gathering. There's something about coming together where God comes, where two and three are gathered and beyond and ministers. So it's so important that as we pray, we invite God into all that we are doing. He gives ideas. He gives initiatives. He gives skills. He gives abilities, he gives entrepreneurship, he gives breakthrough, he gives creativity, all things that would be reflected here tonight. But without him, it means absolutely nothing. So our verse for tonight is right at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, I'm going to read this verse, it's so easy to remember, uh, and then I'll point you to some other well-known verses on prayer. And as I say, I just trust tonight that something fresh, maybe a sentence, a thought, will just come to you fresh that will encourage you to pray first because that's the that's the theme of these next couple of weeks praying first me this week and then a special message next week ministering into the life of the body and over this autumn series which is crisscrossing both Ilkeston and Mansfield um, we're seeking to cement some vital truths some of it comes out of uh, an impact of a visit in uh, early summer and landing it in an arena context and so we've talked about purpose living on purpose and living to give and to love and to serve finding the bullseye of what God has got for our lives and just for these two weeks to encourage us to pray first and I want us to really seek to absorb this phrase if you're going to the doctors this week pray first if you're going for a job interview this week pray first if you're going to see somebody this week 
as Paul's reminding us, that's broken. Pray first. If you're in a difficult situation and there doesn't seem to be much way out, pray first. All the call is seeking to do is that naturally and simply we put God first in the issues and challenges that we face in life. So, well, that seems pretty obvious. It may do, but often we pray last. Often we've done everything else and then thought, oh, we better pray about it. But there's a shift taking place in Arena Mansfield that's encouraging us to make the priority of prayer first. The prevailing advancing church that we had, some of us had the joy of going to be part of for a week in Alabama began in in 2001. Today, 31,000 people have gathered in that church across 12 multi-sites in the state of Alabama. The church has been built from week one on quotes, a solid prayer base. And the pastor says, everybody wants what we've got, but they don't want to do what we do. And everybody wants revival, friends. But how about some of us going on the journey of pursuing revival? Everybody wants the churches full. And we certainly want to bring a church before both this side of the hall and into the next part of the carpet. We really do. Uh, but we have to put into action principles that allow God to come in the way that he comes. And here's the little phrase that I want us to think about. Prayer is our first response not our last resort. Let me say it again. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. As I've already explained, it's not the last thing we do, but it's the first thing we do. We could go around the room tonight and we could find that in every one of our lives there are issues that need prayer. It may be personal. It may be for somebody else. It may be for a member of the family. It may be a work colleague that shared with you. It may be a health issue. We could go around the room. And the encouragement is that prayer is our first response and not our last. And as we finish this year well, and I really encourage you to be with us on Tuesday evening, praying here. And the emphasis will particularly be on this end of the M1 corridor. Praying for the kingdom to come, where we live, praying over the town, praying over situations. I really encourage you just for an hour, seven till eight. We'll be finished at eight because some of us have been up since five and we're getting tired. But we'll be ready. We'll be finishing. And, uh, and, and we'll be ready to go. So I just encourage you to give that hour. Something happens when people gather in prayer that doesn't happen in anything else. And an opportunity for us to pray. And it's setting ourselves up for finishing the year well and then entering into our special season of prayer and fasting at the beginning of 2016. More details and inspiration of that to follow. But 1 Thessalonians 5.17 simply says these words... Pray continually. Or some of you may have in your Bible version, pray without ceasing. Now, clearly we can't be praying 24-7. There have been groups over the years, uh, aesthetics, uh, spiritual fathers, that have literally given themselves to lives of prayer. But even then they've got to sleep. But really the call here is to pray naturally and to naturally pray. To be spiritually natural and to be naturally spiritual. One preacher says, I never pray for more than 30 minutes and I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. In other words, there's a sense where prayer sits easily within our lives. 
where we can create a community, even as we've been encouraged at the end of breaking the bread tonight, just to sometimes pray with each other easily, quickly, briefly, and make it a, a, a desire to call upon God. Tonight's message is not to pick over prayer. It's not to come doubtfully or reluctantly, but it's to build faith. Jesus made an assumption when he spoke to the disciples in the Gospels. He says, when you pray, not if or maybe, but when you pray. What is prayer? Well, prayer is communication. It's God speaking to God and letting God speak back to us. So, well, how does that happen? Well, as you begin to engage in prayer, you find that God just speaks to your heart. It's rare that it's an audible voice. I'm not saying that can never happen. But in prayer, God just coming and speaking. Prayer is conversation. And prayer is <clears throat> communication with the Lord and connecting with all that he wants to do. It's man and God. It's humanity and divinity. Here's some great leaders whose comments are on prayer are worth noting. Mark Batterson just brought out a new book, a prolific modern day writer a great young leader building a great church in washington dc he just written a new book called if but you may remember a couple of years ago we alluded to the book about prayer circles and uh, mark says that prayer is life and life is prayer bill hybels just recently celebrated 40 years as the pioneer pastor of willow creek church chicago land with 25,000 members says the most intimate communion with god comes through prayer miles monroe tragically taken from this earth just a few months ago in a plane accident a great leader from the bahamas says prayer is the believer's authority to invoke heaven's influence on the earth i love that i'm going to say it again prayer is the believer's authority to invoke heaven's influence on the earth i'll come back to that in a little time and Ian Bounds, who was a great prophet of prayer from another age, uh, he, he, he wrote many books on prayer uh, and was, uh, was just a wonderful inspiration to a praying church. Ian Bounds says, prayers are deathless. They outlive the lives of those that uttered them. Isn't that amazing? That prayers can go down the generations Sharon was just talking to me at tea time about something she'd seen regarding her own family of people that have gone to heaven. But we believe that the prayers are deathless. They're going down into the generations that follow. Your prayers are never wasted. And their influence is way beyond what you could understand. So God wants you to pray. And you might say, well, this is the problem. You say, I hear so-and-so praying. I hear Paul praying. I hear Liz praying. I hear Julie praying. I can't pray like that. Well, God's not asking you to pray like anybody else. And he's not asking you to live by comparison. He's asking you to enter into the journey of prayer. And the thing is that you don't have to put a special voice on. You don't have to use words that are not yours. You don't have to copy somebody else. You don't have to be an expert. I'm not an expert. We're not looking for experts. We're simply looking for people. You say, you know what? I'm going to pray first. I'm going to put God first in my life. It's not about being an expert. It's not about long prayers. You know, we used to have long prayers in public meetings at times. The reason there were long prayers publicly is there were short prayers privately. And then they spilled it all onto the church. You need to spend time with God and just be yourself. 
Let me just encourage you. One of our young women came up to me at the end of the service in Ilkeston this morning. We weren't talking about prayer this morning. Um, but we've laid this message in. As I say, it's crisscrossing the two campuses. She says, I just want to say that, that uh, and I'll point to it in a moment, that booklet's really helped me. She says, you know, I just didn't know where to go with it. I didn't, you know, and she says, I'm now getting up early in the morning before I go to work. And I'm really enjoying praying first. Well, that made my day. That's what it's all about. Just being a self. And tonight as you came in, you would have picked up one of these. It's free. And I want you to take this on tonight and I'd like you to read it. The material in it's brilliant. And you can apply it in whatever way you want. But this is courtesy of the teaching uh, ministry of Pastor Chris Hodges that's encouraged his church to pray first. And it's just great material and it'll help you to engage and begin to enjoy praying first. Also, at the end of the service, you'll pick up a, a wristband. I've got mine on. I've changed my shirt from this morning. You'll be glad to know after. But uh, I took my jacket off because I'm fed up with taking my jacket to the dry cleaners every week, you know. Um, but um, there's a prayer band. And on the prayer band, if you look carefully, it'll have pray first on it. It's just a reminder. Wear the band just to remind you. When you perhaps feel discouraged or pushed back or you forgot one day and it's okay. Um, but to, to pray first, so pick up the prayer band at the end. We're trying to land this into a real church with real people. And let me just get out this out here. When we pray at times, we get distracted. When we pray at times, it seems unnatural. When we pray at times, we fall asleep. When we pray at times, the phone pings and it ruins it. And it happens to us all. It happens to us all. But don't give in. Press through. Because you're not the only person that's fell, fell asleep when you've tried to pray. But press through. Make it a priority in life. And let it be your first response and not your last resort. And if you'll do that, and if we'll do that, I'm telling you, we're increasingly positioning ourselves for God to do some great things. We believe as elders that the best for Arena Mansfield is still in front of us. We thank God for what he's done. We don't take for granted this gathered group on a Sunday, the building. We talk about the building in other situations. We tell people uh, what's happening. Somebody, A significant senior leader rang me up the other week. And Christian was speaking uh, down in the southwest at, a, at a, one of our leaders' conferences. He ran me up and says, Christian, we're incredible. He says, sharing about what was going off in Arena. So, well, you know, he says, it just really landed with me. When can I meet with you and find out what's happening? You know, and so we don't take this for granted. The hard work that's already gone into bringing us to where we are. But friends, there's more. There's more. And we have to believe for more because there's so many people in this town that we need to continue to pray for that need to come and find Jesus. So much brokenness, so much dysfunctionality, so many people lonely and saying, where is the answer? And we've got a part to play in seeing God do amazing things. So the disciples weren't experts. They didn't seem to be experts at anything, you know. You know and Jesus was so patient with them. And one day they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I'm going to read these words that many of you know off by heart. And we prayed them on Friday. 
And just to say thank you for those that were able to take the time to come to Margaret's funeral on Friday at the crematorium. It was great to see familiar faces from the church. It was an encouragement to us. And thank you for that. And by God's grace, I think the service really did reflect Margaret's life. And uh, we've communicated that appropriately to the family. So thank you for that. But Jesus said, okay, guys, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins or debts as we forgive those that sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you want a reference for that, it's Matthew chapter 6. In what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus primarily teaching that the power of prayer is getting with God and really entering. Don't be, don't, he was saying, don't be a showman about it. Don't sort of hear it in front of people, but come to God. And this is how you should pray. Now, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, it's found in Luke's Gospel as well. And I encourage you to read it sometime. What we read there is, we're not talking about just parroting this prayer. There are occasions when it's appropriate to pray it. And as I said, we, we prayed that prayer on Friday. It was a, an occasion where it was appropriate to say it. But it isn't just meant to be parroted out. There are principles here that help and shape and define our prayer first journey. If you look in Pastor Chris's book, you'll find he's got seven points on the Lord's Prayer. I've got five. It's just to show you that I've not copied his points, okay? They'll be better than mine. But here's five things tonight on the Lord's Prayer. Now, I say with humility, we could camp at every point for a week and get a lot of juice out of it. We could draw other people in. But I just want tonight to bullet point for a few moments five principles in the prayer journey remember it's a communication it's not just speaking it's allowing God to shape us and define us it's a relationship it's a connection that help us increasingly to pray first number one when we pray like this it expresses a desire for an ongoing relationship our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name now I've only got to mention the word father in a public church meeting and it creates issues. It creates issues because sometimes people have had a poor earthly father experience and they define that experience with how they relate to God. I understand that. I've spoken to many people about it over the years. And that's why we need to continually speak regularly about the father heart of God and for people to enter into a revelation that whatever our earthly father has been, good or bad, God the father is so much greater. Or it may be that you've had poor teaching. And let me tell you, without any sense of contradiction, that poor teaching is worse than no teaching. Every time. He sort of clings to people. And they, they can't seem to get over it. Poor teaching on fatherhood. Poor teaching on the baptism of the Spirit. Poor teaching on the local church. And I've literally got people at times, you preach on something and they're parroting something. I didn't say that. We didn't mean that. We, we, had, a, we had a communication. Paul was privy to it recently. Where somebody was communicating something back to us and they were denying that we'd implemented something that we believe in because of the poor teaching that sat around their world and they just couldn't get free of it just couldn't get free of it and so you may have had teaching that says that God's sort of really out to bash everybody he's out to catch you out 
He's sort of like a god in heaven with a big stick waiting to push, come down on you. As soon as you get it wrong, Julie reminded us in worship tonight that we don't live out of that, but we live out of a loving relationship. You need to catch the heart of that. So God, friends, is caring. God is compassionate. God is corrective as a father at times. Hebrews 12 says that those he loves, he disciplines or he corrects. Well, if you've been a mum or a dad and your kids are running near the fire, you don't say, yeah, try it out, son. You know, you bring them back in. You're forever correcting them. It doesn't take long to realise that, you know, the bias in kids is to go that way rather than that way. And so you're forever seeking to lovingly correct them because you love them. And God wants us to walk in the way. And sometimes he sees us straying. He sees us moving off. He says, come on, come back. Sometimes you walk into church and God's word just comes. Right? Think has God got it in for me? No, it's the loving heart of God reaching out to say, I just want to, just want to correct you back into the way today. And God is compelling in his love. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great the Father's love has been lavished upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, if somebody lavishes a gift on you, it's not fish and chips at the local chippy, is it? It's better than that. You know, you lab, what a, a great day out or a great meal or a great present. Lavished. That's the Father's love to us. And when we pray, we say, God, we want a relationship with you. We don't want all the brokenness of earth or poor teaching to get in the way of saying, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Briefly, friends, when we pray, secondly, we invite, we make an invitation for the right priorities to be in every area of our life. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We make an invitation for the right priority to be in every area of our life. What is this kingdom? Well, when I was a young Christian, the way I sort of thought it was like a bit of a, a spaceship, you know, and it was sort of sort of going to zoom down from heaven and land on earth. And one of my great heroes in terms of my journey, Pastor John Phillips, he's 96 now. He, he taught me at Bible college, he taught on the doctrine of the church and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the doctrine of God. And uh, it, was, it was just incredible because he taught, but also he sort of, he, he put something into you. And, and Pastor Phillips talked about the kingdom and he explained to me, it wasn't some sort of ship coming down from, from heaven. It wasn't something even future, although we know the fullness of the kingdom is future. But it was the rule of God coming to our lives. The New Testament word for it is basileia. Not speaking about realm. Not a defined territory like the United Kingdom. But rule. When we let Jesus not only become our saviour but our Lord. We say your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody said... That where there is a heart that surrendered, and we sang it tonight, to the claims and rule of Christ, there the kingdom comes. You see, because it's all right praying for the kingdom to come to Mansfield, God wants the kingdom to come to you. And when the kingdom comes to you, it's more likely it's going to come to Mansfield. Because you'll carry it. You'll take it into your school. You'll take it into your place of work. You'll take it into your situation. 
I don't want to say anything sort of because I'm conscious on tape, but to get my Alison at the moment, just in terms of her school environment, which is very challenging in terms of where she teaches, I want to say the kingdom is breaking out to the right and to the left. The head's not a believer, he doesn't even know, he, but he's amazed with it. He's sort of cheering it on. Isn't that incredible? And you can take the kingdom tomorrow. And when we take the kingdom, we can believe for more. We need the kingdom to break out in Mansfield. We really do. We need for the rule of God to come in this place. We need to see increasingly the authorities making decisions that reflect the kingdom. Streets and neighborhoods living in a way that reflects the kingdom. Well, how can that happen? By people praying. By people praying and responding and then living out the kingdom. The only time I can find anything that says that we ought to put anything first in the New Testament is Matthew 6.33. It's the only instruction I find about first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you. When you put the kingdom first, family, community, church, nation, the nations, they all begin to find their place. Ian Bounds again says these words, that the church upon its knees would bring heaven upon the earth. The church upon its knees would bring heaven on the earth. Thirdly, briefly, when we pray, we reflect a dependency on the Lord. Give us today our daily bread. It's reflecting the fact that prayer puts our dependency upon God. It doesn't mean that we've not got to use our common sense. It doesn't mean that we've not got to do a good day's work. It doesn't mean that we've not got to bring our skill sets. But it means that none of those things work without God. And we cry upon him. Now, of course, around the earth, that prayer is a literal prayer. For many believers like us. Give us today our daily bread. 80% of the world's population live on less than 10 American dollars a day. Six quid. 80. 80. 885 million people don't have clean living water to access every day. Many of these people reach out to God. I've been in context. Andy's been in context in Africa. Where people have nothing. But all around the globe today, people have gathered together and they worship the Lord's. They praised him. They've reached out to the Father. And literally at times they've said, Lord, give us today our daily bread. We're conscious that in our society, with the proliferation of food banks, and we've been right at the heart of it in terms of our journey, there are many people that are struggling. But relatively speaking, I say this carefully, relatively speaking, compared to many nations, we're well off. We've got more than we realise. Most people in the world don't live like us. But that's the danger. You see, in our materialism, we think we can do it. And God says, keep throwing your dependency upon me. Give us today our daily bread. What do you need for tomorrow? Ask God to help you. What, What do you need to take into tomorrow? Ask God to help you to be your daily bread, to be your sufficiency. And for you not to live in self dependency but in continual reliance upon him. Number four, prayer enables us to live in the power of forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, 
as we also forgive those that have sinned against us. You say, it's a bit strange this. Why did God, why did Jesus put this in the prayer? Well, because he understands that forgiveness received and forgiveness released is so crucial to a great relationship with him. Very difficult to pray to God when you're embittered, unforgiving, hard-hearted, resentful, angry. But when you realise what you've received and then you release it out, something happens. Let me take you to the steps of Bradford Crown Court in August this year. And Mr. Vincent Uzuma, a man from Zimbabwe, that were giving his comments after the teenager had been sentenced for having stabbed Mr. Onzuma in the classroom in June as he taught in a secondary school in, Bra- in Bradford. The police defined it as a racially motivated attack. And... Vincent nearly died. Now I quote, not my words, his words. Here he is on the steps of the Crown Court. As a Christian, I have forgiven this boy who has inflicted this trauma on me and my family. Our prayer is that with help, he will become a changed person and make in the future a positive contribution to society. Wow. Forgiveness received. Forgiveness released. The great writer C.S. Lewis says, everybody thinks forgiveness is a great idea until they have to do it. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, it came up prophetically in prayer. A few weeks ago, John the Baptist eventually lost his life. And the reason he lost his life is because Herodias nursed a grudge. Prophetically, John the Baptist had spoken into the royalty, uh, the, the family, the royal family of the day. And he'd spoken into the sin that was taking place that was wrong. He became a marked man. She nursed something in her heart. She couldn't forgive him. And eventually it found its force. Someone says that unforgiveness, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. That's what it does. The only person it wrecks is you. And again, just as we said earlier, we could go around the room asking people about needs. I would say that in the fallenness of life, we could go around the room and every one of us would have a reason not to forgive somebody. Something that's been done to us. Something that's been said to us. Something that's, been, that's put us down. Something that's ridiculed us. Something that's hurt, whatever it is. And friends, please hear me tonight, I'm not being trite. There'll be some deep issues across the congregation. Where inwardly we say, there's no way. Absolutely no way I'm forgiving. You know, anytime I come to this subject, I get this list in my mind. It's like the enemy says, do you forgive them? I have to go through it again. I have to process it. Some of the things that have been said to me. Some of the things that have been said to my wife. Some of the things that have been said to me in front of my kids. In the journey of ministry. 
And every carnal part of me doesn't want to let it go. But Jesus says, when you pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive also those that have become debtors against us. And friends, I don't want to live with unforgiveness. I don't want to become embittered. I don't want to become hard-hearted. I want to be open to God and keep connecting with him. I don't want anything to be a shadow of my life that gets in the way of what God wants to do. And I encourage you tonight, if you find it difficult in this area, to let it go. To come to a revelation tonight on a Sunday night, November the 1st, 2015 in Arena Church Mansfield. It's time to let it go. To let that person go. To let that situation go. To let that word go. To let that circumstance go. To let the history go. And to realise that you've been amazingly forgiven. Received. Now release it. It will revolutionise your prayer journey. Number five. It causes us to live in the victory of Christ. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Temptation's inevitable. You know, I smile when people become believers and realise they still get tempted. So there must be something wrong with me, Phil. No, that's great. Now you realise that you can do wrong. You weren't even thinking about it before you became a believer. But now you realise, and the reality is that the flesh, the old life, still wants to become prominent. We've talked about baptism. Baptism's a public symbol of dying to the old and living to the new. And we realise that we need to continually ask God to help us. So the prayer is encouraging us to be overcomers, to be prevailing and advancing and moving forward with God. And as we close, three responses to praying first. Number one, pray with your heart, tears. I'm not suggesting, friends, that every time you pray, your handkerchiefs wet through because you're crying. But here's the question. When was the last time you wept in prayer? When was the last time God so touched you, deep within your inner being, that you just cried before him? <clears throat> I don't cry every time I pray, friends, but I want to tell you that increasingly I'm moved by the needs of our nation. Pray with tears. Christian likes to quote General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, celebrating their 150th anniversary this year. Here's a piece of trivia for it. It was the same year as Nottingham Forest started. There we go, 150 years, 1865. And, General, and Steve Scrimshaw, Steve's here tonight, is an archivist by hobby. And Steve found out, I think in 1909, that William Booth preached in the theatre in this building. Isn't that amazing? And called people to salvation. And, uh, and uh, a great man of God, and one of his officers once spoke to him and said, General Booth, it's so hard where we are, you know. And it's always hard, isn't it? Do you know people in the spiritual realm, friends, have written off Mansfield? They really have. It's too hard. It's a preacher's graveyard. Nothing's going to happen. And we really want, by God's grace, to book the trend and show that God loves this town and has got something for it. So the office is going on. General Booth, it's so hard, it's so hard. What shall I do? Two word response. Try tears. Try tears. Pray with your heart. 
don't be cold and clinical in prayer. He says of Jesus that when he saw the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it. Hebrews 5, 7, he says of Jesus, that he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. He knew what it was to be broken before the Lord. Number two, pray in the spirit, tongues. We believe that God gives us a language that we can't understand with our minds, but releases our spirit to pray to him. And the Bible speaks about praying with our spirit. And I encourage you to pray more in the spirit. Again, I believe that the, listen, not the only, but the primary role of tongues is private, not public. That's where we got it wrong in the past. Nobody was speaking in private. Everybody was doing it public Sunday morning. It didn't work. The primary role of tongues is private. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. And to pray in the spirit, to pray in the prayer language, to reach out to God with words that are beyond our understanding. It's going to be a great surprise for some people in heaven that God's not an Englishman. You know, it really is. You know, he's not phased by it. I encourage you to press in. If you've had an experience of the baptism of the Spirit in the past, but haven't spoken in tongues for a long time, how about in this new season of praying first, that's how I'm going to do it. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, spoken in the language, how about in this season, pressing in and releasing your tongue in that other language as the Spirit gives you utterance and believing for something fresh. Thirdly, pray with the Bible truth. Um, I was meeting my colleague Gordon Neal from Elim that runs a similar area to me a few weeks ago and Gordon came from a very broken background in London he got expelled from school and all sorts of things and the gospel just wonderfully turned his life around and he says when I used to go to my little Pentecostal church he said to, I said to this old lady what's the difference when Cliff prays because he lifts the meeting she says listen to him listen to him he said what do you mean listen to him she said listen to him so the next time Cliff prayed Gordon's all ears. And he went to the old lady after. She says, well, she says, well, he seems to sort of like talk quite a bit about the Bible. She says, exactly. He's praying with truth. And when we pray with truth, when we use, I'm not on about quoting reams and reams of scripture, but the, the prophetic word of the, of, that comes out of us, it lifts us onto God what is true what is absolutely true is that when we pray the Bible the Bible will never contradict the purpose of God it can't because it's the enduring word so I close with a cliche a cheesy cliche how about that but like most cliches it's true and you may have seen it on a on a poster board outside a church at times but listen it says seven prayerless days make one week Seven prayerless days make one week. W-E-A-K. We don't want you to be intimidated by prayer. We don't want you to think it's all right for Phil going on about it tonight. It's beyond me. We want to drive this right down to every person here tonight. May have been a Christian a few months, a few weeks, many years. Maybe a younger person finding your journey may be a very mature believer but wherever you stand tonight don't let it pass you by be inspired to enter into this journey of praying first try and get into the habit of where sometimes you've left it to the last you bring it to the first in your life even tomorrow morning you say you don't know what my monday morning is like i probably do actually 
But just before you get in the car, just before you dash off to work, even if it's God, please help me today. Well, that's a start, isn't it? If you can create 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever your devotion is, but begin to create some time where you can make prayer the priority of the day. You know, when I was sort of in my late teens, early 20s, you know, I grew up in a, a, a second eldest seven kids from a council estate in Nottingham. There weren't a lot of room in our house. And there certainly weren't any opportunity to pray in quiet in the morning because from six o'clock onwards, it was mayhem. So I used to pray at night. I know people say, well, you need to start the day. And I probably did, but my prayer time was at night. Everybody had gone to bed. I remember kneeling by the settee and God did some amazing things. I prayed some naive prayers. I said, God, I'd, I'd like a, a wife that sort of gets me and the call and everything. And God gave me Sharon and we got it, you know. Um, we don't have been going out two days when we says, God, whatever it costs, we'll follow you. We don't have been going out three weeks when I says, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, God's called me to the ministry. I don't think there's much money in it, but I'd love you to be sort of part of the journey. And he sort of gave me, and there were prayers that rolled out. I go back to that time and it was just amazing. And we're not prayer experts. We're not always as sharp as we'd like to be, but we've committed to a journey of praying, of just asking God and believing God to do things in our lives, and we're still determined to do it. And thank God for people around this room that have got a wonderful commitment to prayer. It's amazing. Things that sometimes even go out on social media now that reflect the prayer journey of people's lives. I just want to say thank you. But we want to draw everybody in to the prayer journey. To make prayer the first response and not the last. To pray first and then let's see what God will do. Let's pray.